Métis veteran Francis Godon as he reflects on his part of the D-Day landing with the Royal Winnipeg Rifles. Just before we got on the landing craft, our officers said, I'm going to tell you boys, you're all good. You know your job. Get out there and get them. But one thing I'm going to tell you, most of you guys won't be coming back. So you know what that meant. I said, sir, I'm coming home. He said, I'm going to do my job. That's what I like to hear. When we hit the beach, the water was just like red. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you you weren't scared. You were scared all the time and you're on the beach and your buddy's yelling at you to help, but you can't stop. One thing you have to do when you're making the beach, you gotta go for yourself, which is hard to do, to get those pillar box, cement that thick, you know, three machine guns in there. Our company, B Company, B Company, there was only 27 of us left. All the whole company, so that was hard. Okay, gentlemen, we just finished listening to a clip of uh, Francis Godon, a Métis vet. Uh, What are your thoughts and reactions to listening to that clip? I think it's very impactful. You know, he was able to describe uh, in his words, and right away I was thinking of uh, the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan, and it sort of, through his eyes, as we were going through that and coming up with the visions and the uh, the amount of dedication that he had to to go through and to you know to tell his his sergeant as they were coming in saying some of you might come back and he turned and says i am coming back you know we are coming back uh, like that was uh, showing the great spirit of metis that you know we're not just going to give up or lay down we're going to fight until the end and we're going to carry on excellent brian prairie thoughts well absolutely it's a very emotional thing to listen to when you know he described that of his whole company, only 26 or 28 men walked away from that or walked, carried on beyond that. Generally, a, a beach storming company, probably 120, 125 men. And so basically 100 men left laid on the beach. He described when he hit the ground, the water was red. No doubt. No doubt. Like That is what happens when you storm fortified positions with machine guns and, and, and stuff like that. It, it is literally a killing ground. To hear that, those words were very powerful. So you know that that's just the whole point of the sacrifice and the price that was paid to secure freedom for the whole world. Métis people were right up front. That's Brian Prairie and Brian Black, both Métis Canadian Armed Forces veterans. They're our guests on this Remembrance Day episode of One Nation, Many Stories, a podcast Brought to you by the Métis National Council. Tonse, I'm Matt LeMay, host of One Nation, Many Stories. I'm a citizen of the Métis Nation of Ontario with roots in the Red River, Drummond Island, and Penetanguishene. I'm also a documentary filmmaker and co-founder of Indigenous Geographic. In this podcast, we'll be bringing you inspiring, heartfelt stories and interviews from the Métis people 
who make up the colorful tapestry of our proud nation. Before we get to our guests, we want to welcome MNC President Cassidy Karen with her thoughts on Métis veterans. Tanse and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our third episode of the Métis National Council's podcast, One Nation, Many Stories. This third episode is timely and important as we take time to honour Métis veterans as we approach Indigenous Veterans Day and Remembrance Day. In my time as president of the Métis National Council, we have worked hard to establish our National Métis Veterans Council to ensure that decisions that affect veterans are made with input directly from Métis veterans. Earlier this year, our Veterans Council met with Canada for our first meeting to begin the process of working together to find ways to best support Métis veterans. But there is still a lot of work to be done. Many World War II and Korean War Métis veterans still have yet to receive proper recognition or compensation for their service. The Métis Veterans Legacy Program is a national program established to compensate Métis veterans who enlisted and fought alongside Canadians during World War II. Families of World War II veterans are encouraged to apply for the Métis Veterans Recognition Program to ensure that we as a nation can provide World War II veterans the recognition that they deserve. I also invite all Métis veterans to apply to the Métis Veterans Legacy Program so we can ensure the service and sacrifices of all Métis veterans are remembered. I want to thank you for joining us today and throughout this journey. I hope you can listen to the stories that we share and learn more about the Métis Nation as we share our many stories with you. Thank you, President Krong. We're calling today's episode, One Nation, Many Veterans. That is in honor of the service and sacrifice of the thousands of Métis men and women who served in world wars, conflicts, and peacekeeping, and humanitarian missions. As we'll hear in this episode, Métis men were the core of the force sent out in Canada's first overseas conflict in Sudan in 1885. Let's turn now to our guests for a deeper look into the proud Métis military tradition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the One Nation Many Stories podcast. I'm your host, Matt LeMay. We are thrilled to have a double shot of Brian on the podcast today. With me are Brian Black and Brian Prairie. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Welcome. I thought what we do is, um, since we we have two Brians, and um, maybe what we'll do, Brian Black, is have you just do a little bit of introduction to yourself, uh, to the listeners out there, who you are, where you're from, and uh, whatever you want to say. All right. Thanks, Matt. My name's uh, Brian Black. I am currently the uh, Director of uh, Self-Government for the Métis Nation of Ontario, formerly the uh, President of the uh, Métis Nation of Ontario Veterans Council. I am a Navy veteran, and my uh, my family's ancestral ties is back up to the uh, Treaty 3 Rainy River, Rainy Lake area, and um, excited to talk to you today about uh, uh, Remembrance Day. Thanks, Brian. Brian Prairie, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Brian Prairie. I'm the uh, present president of the Métis Nation Ontario Veterans Council. My heritage is uh, dual. I am from Red River ancestry and also in the Lakehead Nipigon Michigan ancestry through my mother. So uh, I'm dual Métis ancestry. I live in Thunder Bay uh, and I'm father of two children, have two grandchildren. Glad to be here. 
Terrific. Well, thank you, Brian's, and uh, and away we go. So the first question is for Brian Black. Um, can you share the significance of Indigenous Veterans Day for Métis communities and why it's important to recognize and honor Indigenous veterans? Well, I think, you know, the it, it goes to the bit of the story between uh, November 8th and uh, November 11th. And um, it starts with uh, some of the inequities that uh, Canada has portrayed onto uh, Indigenous veterans uh, from the First First World War and the Second World War, Korea, that when we're on the battlefield, when we're out and deployed together, um, there's never been, uh, there's no distinction between whether you're from Alberta, you're from BC or from, from Nova Scotia, or if you're um, white, black, um, First Nations, Métis, it's you're all as all as one, but when you come home, then that's something different. Um, there, you know, the Métis or Indigenous veterans have always been uh, treated differently, not getting the same um, uh, benefits that other uh, veterans have, have received. But have really, if you look at the records, you'll really see that Indigenous veterans have served with large distinctions and well decorated veterans because of the participation and the efforts that they have put in. So looking at Remembrance Day and why it's significant for communities, I think it's it's significant for communities to look and to be proud of their Métis veterans uh, for what they have actually contributed to the community and to the, to the country overall um, in their participations and in their um, efforts and sacrifice. Thanks for that, Brian. Brian Prairie, would you like to add to uh, what Brian Black was just saying? I think Brian hit it very well. The fact that a soldier is a soldier is a soldier, it, it, that's an absolute. And when you're on the battlefield or in, in, uh, in uh, theater, it doesn't matter. But it was when we came home, when the veterans came home, that that was the big difference. So that's the reason we have two different, you know, Veterans Days. And hopefully that can be brought together soon, soon also, but not right now. Well, thank you for that, Brian. And Brian Prairie, the next question is for you. What inspired you to join the military? And what has been your experience as a Métis person serving in the armed forces? Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, what uh, inspired me to join the uh, military was in the uh, child of the 60s and uh, early 70s, I just didn't fit. So I found my fit in the military. And uh, so I, I joined in the early 70s and... Uh, just went on from there and uh, as far as being a Métis soldier Métis people hardly identified themselves as Métis people and we were just soldiers that didn't come till much later what kinds of uh, skills did, did you acquire in the uh, in the armed services that you're you're carrying forward and using in your work today uh, leadership uh, definite leadership uh, when you when you're uh, in the armed forces if you're not following you're leading and you don't follow very, very, very much. You're as soon as soon as you're uh, you learn something, you're imparting that knowledge to somebody else almost always. So uh, the leadership comes very quickly, and the more the higher ranking you go, the the more leadership capabilities, the more man management you get. And so I, I carried that forward into civilian life, and it served me very well. Thanks, Brian. Um, Brian Black, what uh, inspired you to join the the Navy? What has your experience been as a Métis person serving in the armed forces? What first inspired me to join the service is I had obviously had uh, different, many different um, family members that had 
been in the service before, so I really looked up to them and really thought that that was uh, uh, something that was of interest to me. But when I first tried to uh, to enlist, I was too young, and my parents they said, "Nope, not yet." And uh, so then I had uh, gotten a job and was working in the lumber industry, and then there was layoffs, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to go look at." And, uh, joining back into uh, into the Navy again. So that's what uh, was sort of inspired me in the sort of the path to uh, what got me there. And um, when you're you're talking about as a Métis person, um, when we're in the service, again, like it's soldiers, soldiers, soldier, there was really no um, different groups of people that would, would be together because, you know, in especially on on a ship if there is another metis person on the ship they might be in engineering and they'd be like four decks down below where i was and we would probably be on different shifts you would never really see you see each other so it was always like you're working with your your department or where wherever you were on the ship and you were working together and and that was your 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 connection with with everybody else and um, the fact of being a Métis didn't really play into it, uh, as a matter of fact, until even after I got out. It's still like, well, by the time I got out, we were being treated a little bit better than uh, than previously. Uh, and, you know, we were still getting the same benefits and such, but um, it's that um, old history that uh, still needs to be corrected. Thanks for that, Brian. Brian Prairie, uh, can you highlight some of the contributions and sacrifices uh, sacrifices made by Métis veterans in various conflicts and peacekeeping missions throughout history for us? Well, there's been Métis veterans involved in many conflicts over the over the years. Uh, the first one that I'm familiar with that they particularly sought out for Métis was for the evacuation of Khartoum. The, Brit- the British actually asked Canada for Métis people to come and help evacuate Khartoum down the Nile River because they were boatmen and they knew how to, how to handle, uh, handle boats. We, I believe we lost six people in that contingent that, that went there. Uh, then in the First World War, uh, my grandfather served. Many Métis people uh, served with distinction. They were known for their ability to in use of, uh, of a rifle. You know, they were, they were brought as marksmen and snipers, stuff like that, because they were, it was a natural thing for hunting and tracking and all, all, all of the things that they were used to in their own life transferred into military. Second World War, same thing. Uh, high distinction for Métis marksmen and, and trackers and scouts were very widely used. Brian Black, do you have anything to add to uh, sort of the, the long history that the Métis have had in the armed services? You can look at it many different battles that was and the, this real significance of Indigenous veterans' contributions to uh, different campaigns. I would point out Vimy Ridge is probably one of them that was um, it was the Canadians that really made that difference, and there was some Indigenous veterans that made that even extra push uh, to get uh, to get to that victory. Um, again, and then I would look back at, you know, one of the things that um, that we continue to look at, and when we're talking with our World War II veterans, is um, that con- contribution that they made and the way they, that they were treated when they returned. That they don't really hold a grudge to, but they were they they were sort of disappointed. I remember talking to one one veteran, and he said that he wanted to come back and wanted to be an engineer, but uh, that uh, education grant wasn't supplied to him. So he went uh, back and did his work, and 
uh, had a family, and then two of his sons went on to school to be engineers. So he thought really being vindicated by they, they got to live his his uh, his dream. Brian Black, I think we'll stay with you for this next question, uh, and then we'll go over to Brian Prairie. But Brian Black, how has the recognition and support for Indigenous veterans evolved over the years? And from your perspective, what improvements are still needed? I, I hear that you said uh, Indigenous veterans, but I'm, I'm going to speak specifically for Métis veterans. And that, you know, the um, the acknowledgements of, of our contributions have have really come because we have found them and we've amplified them and we've advertised them. And it hasn't been really somebody coming up and recognizing and saying, hey, you know, did you guys know that you guys did this or we saw that you guys did this and that was great. And when you're when you're doing that, you're also looking up and you're seeing the, the inequities um, between the returning veterans and what benefits were given to uh, normal vet- or ordinary veterans and then what was given to indigenous veterans and the um, um, the sheer differences and then the looking for that acknowledgement so the first nations got their acknowledgement for their world war ii veterans a few years ago and then the metis veterans was just a couple of years ago a little bit farther behind and you know and now we're going to be really looking for that additional recognition for korean war veterans and that hasn't you know it's been very very quiet you know it's we're and it's up to us now to really amplify that that noise to show the the extraordinary um, experiences and contributions that Métis veterans made during the Korean War, and one of the one of the, I think one of the lacking parts of that is that there was no real separation of Indigenous veterans or Métis veterans when it comes to the num- the numbers of people that have joined, and I think we're finally coming around to some some formulas, and I think Mr. Prairie might be able to. Uh, elaborate on a little bit that shows that the the Métis contribution was quite a bit more than what has uh, originally been uh, discussed. Brian Prairie, do you want to jump in on this? Yes, we've just uh, found out recently uh, through some research from Alberta, through census and stuff like that, that participation of Métis veterans is over 50% from all Indigenous veterans in in the wars. And uh, a lot of the studies from the First and Second World War showed uh, approx- for both wars approximately 10,000 Indigenous veterans. And a study out of Alberta showed that in Alberta alone, for the First and Second World War, there was 20,000 Métis. So when you put that across the country, you could easily say that there was probably between forty and 50,000 Métis uh, so- soldiers that entered the war. So uh, we've been pushing on uh, Veterans Affairs and on the, anybody that will listen, the fact that Métis people were definitely highly involved in, in the wars and in the things and, and re- require their due. Excellent. Well said. Um, Brian Prairie, are there any specific stories or experiences from Métis veterans that you would like to share and help educate the audience about their service and resilience? I have one story that came out of, uh, out of Thunder Bay, actually. It was uh, one of the people came to the uh, annual general meeting a couple of years ago, and he brought to me a World War I shaving mirror that was his father's, and it was completely bent and decimated. It was, that, that man would have died if that mirror hadn't been in his chest pocket. He was hit with 18 pieces of shrapnel, and the mirror would, like, and these mirrors were like 
three sixteenths of an inch thick. They were not small little pieces of tin. And that thing was completely gouged and bent. I've actually uh, told him that I'd like him to put a story together for our, our veterans book that we continue to put our veterans book. It's a fundraiser for Métis Nation, Ontario Veterans Council. But we, uh, those are the stories that we absolutely want to hear. Like it's just a, an amazing story, especially to have the artifact in, the, in your hand and see the damage that it created. And that man took shrapnel and that mirror actually stopped it from getting into his heart. And he, and he survived for many, many years afterwards. But what a story. Absolutely. That's amazing. Brian Black, do you have any specific stories or experiences from Métis veterans that you would like to share? Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, there's, I could go through a whole bunch of names, um, like Bill Ellis, uh, Bill Hurtu, Wilf Roshan, Marie Knight, Leonard Lanigan, uh, Will, Will Gagnon, Tup Lacroix, Guy Lafreniere, Gordon Willett, George Ricard, you know, one of the ones that really sticks out into my mind is uh, Mr. Alex Boucher, who lived to be a 107 years old, and he lived up in Brit, just sort of north of Perry Sound there. And um, and one of the things that he was proud to show us is um, he acted as a, uh, a guard for holding uh, prisoners of war, and one of the German prisoners made him this paper ship that was stuffed inside of a pop bottle. He held that with great regard. He thought that was really good that uh, that uh, this this prisoner of war thought enough of him to put this much work into and, and give him this gift. Brian Prairie, in what ways can individuals and communities show their support and appreciation for Indigenous veterans, not just on Indigenous Veterans Day, but all year round? Well, I, I would say the biggest thing is remember. Remember the sacrifice that these people put forward. Literally thousands of, uh, of Métis veterans, we say, sign the check. You know, they, they, get, they signed it off to, to give their uh, everything that was possible, in, up to and including their lives for the service of their country. And as I said before, the, the, the country owes them their due. Absolutely. Brian Black, do you have anything to, uh, to add to that? One of the things that's uh, sort of come up in the last couple of years, because I've been asked this question before and you're trying to think of something specific to say, um, I think if if somebody in the community wants to show their appreciation or they want to um, continue to show some sort of remembrance through the year is when they're with a veteran, ask them about their experience. Now, sometimes they might not want to talk about it or they might say anything about it, but sometimes you'll get you'll get an old boy who just wants to sit there and, and tell you about his experience. And, and that uh, would be greater than any thank you you could get is to sit there and give them the time and, and listen to their stories. Fabulous. Brian Black, how does the celebration of Indigenous Veterans Day tie into the broader efforts to preserve and promote Métis culture and heritage? You know, I think as, as, as I sort of mentioned before, the, the, uh, distinction and and the effort and the um, over the top performance of Métis veterans in different campaigns has uh, is just um, so much of something that we need to be proud of and continue to be proud of uh, that um, having uh, that kind of a distinction within our community on November eighth and to be able to really um, showcase all of our contributions uh, to the campaigns over the years and continuing on into into the current times 
um, that um, you know we as our community um, appreciate the sacrifices of of all of past uh, past veterans and current serving members. Well, gentlemen, um, I want to thank you both for uh, participating in our podcast today. And um, but before we go, I, do you have any last thoughts? Maybe we'll start with uh, Brian Prairie in terms of what you would like, you know, Métis citizens across the homeland to uh, to know or think about when uh, as we move forward towards Indigenous Veterans Day. Well, the, the biggest thing is just remember that your veterans are their uh, present and former veterans uh, paid a big price and uh, and uh, serve their country with distinction. Uh, just to remember and respect that the, that that is the time to uh, honor and respect a veteran and to uh, just remember the sacrifices that were given and the service that was given. Literally hundreds of thousands of, of years of service has been given to their country by the members. And by years of service, I mean for every year of service per man. So... It's uh, it, it, it was a big uh, contribution by Métis uh, veterans and uh, all Indigenous veterans, including all veterans, period, to just remember and respect. Thanks, Brian. Brian Black, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? One thing that is, is of notice that, you know, as we go along through, uh, through the years, we've, uh, I think we've lost all of our World War I veterans and our World War II veterans are dwindling in their numbers. And... Um, they were definitely the trendsetters when it comes to um, participation and what we call what we now call valor in uh, in the battlefield. Um, but we also got to really start looking at um, more current veterans that have come back, and they were coming back with um, either broken arms or legs or broken minds, and uh, to really. Um, look and help and finding ways to support them in in their battles uh, when they come back home in uh, trying to uh, get themselves to a uh, a living structure. Well, Brian Prairie, Brian Black, I want to thank you both for being our guests today on uh, One Nation, Many Stories. And, um, you know, we're certainly going to be thinking of you and all the contributions that uh, Métis and Indigenous vets uh, have made uh, in sacrifice of this country. So I hope you both have a fabulous week and thank you again, Marcy, for being on the podcast. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. We want to express our heartfelt gratitude to Brian Prairie and Brian Black for honoring us with their presence on this podcast. Your willingness to share your experiences and perspectives has not only enriched our conversations, but also deepened our understanding of the sacrifices and contribution of Métis veterans. Your service and stories have left an indelible mark, and we're sincerely thankful for your time and your insights. And thank you for joining us on this episode of One Nation, Many Stories. Our theme music is called Harry Daniels. It was composed and performed by the great Métis fiddler, John Arcan. If you like this podcast, please give us a review and rating wherever you listen. It helps others to find these conversations. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes, including ones focused on Métis beadwork, music, language, and more. Merci, miigwech, merci, and thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Matt LeMay.